I wish I had the opportunity in a way to talk to the people that feel like they can't afford any legal advice at all and upsell them just a little bit for an hour or two with a lawyer or a coach on a limited scope basis. Um, because I think that could really help them along through the po process a lot more quickly. It might keep them out of court entirely. Um, and it could be a little bit of money well spent. So if we could just, you know, disseminate the message that um, there are folks out there that will help a little bit um, and that that little bit of help might actually push things along a lot. <laughs>
kind of like part of the inspiration for this podcast um, because you, I think you're just an example of generosity of information being put out there in the world. Um, and you're so giving um, with information precedence to other lawyers and um, so committed to putting legal information out there that's accessible to not only other lawyers, but people in the community. Um, so thank you. And thanks for being here with us today. Oh, my pleasure. You're very welcome. And, and, I mean, I think it's the, the newer generation too. We got started sharing with uh, Napster and <laughs> Torrance and yeah, it's just, I think it's a cultural shift. Uh, as it used to be that uh, precedents were heavily guarded and I think a lot of people are still a little bit cautious about putting things out there, but uh, once you get comfortable with it, it's it's great to be able to share and so mm -hmm. that we're not uh, not all alone at the end of the day. Yeah. Down with IP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's a it's a good point. I, I think you're right, Ken, that it's a bit of a cultural shift. Um, you know, I, I I remember when Napster was a thing. I remember when that start when that hit. And I mean, I was a, like, but before Napster, we were dubbing CDs onto tapes. And even I had, you know, a high, a high speed dubbing tape deck. So like going from one tape to another tape. Um, but uh, yeah, I've definitely uh, used the precedences from your, from your precedents, from your website that I've adapted uh, for myself, but uh, very helpful, very useful. I think the plural is precedenti. Is that correct? <laughs> no, I didn't know it was a Greek word. Um, so, is that real? <laughs> I feel like we could ask you about so many different topics, Ken, but today we've invited you to um, share a little bit about limited scope services. Um, and that's our topic for today. Um, and well, you and I are, t are together on this committee and I think now officially are we aboard? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, the last meeting. <laughs> um, about this, so, um, but I know that this is a concept that would be uh, new and of interest to a lot of our listeners. So I'm gonna ask the first really broad question, which is just basically what are legal scope services? So they take very different forms. So there isn't really one specific definition, but uh, I think the approach that our new society is taking is to split it into two different kinds of concepts to help it uh, help for it to be a little bit more digestible to people. Uh, one is we've kept around uh, the older the older concept of a limited uh, service, uh, or what we've called uh, unbundling in the past. And that's where uh, you can hire a lawyer to help you out with one specific task or maybe a couple rather than doing everything on the file. Uh, so for example, if you're already negotiating a lot, uh, if someone's already uh, okay with advocating on their own, maybe they just need a lawyer to fill out, uh, put together court documents for them. Hmm. Uh, most very vast majority of people outside of law firms don't have experience putting together court documents uh, and can use some help there. <clears throat> and so the idea is to let people know that uh, it's all right to hire a lawyer to do just those things. Uh, if there's a couple of things you don't know, uh, if you can't afford a lawyer to do absolutely everything, or maybe maybe what you're fighting about uh, isn't cost effective to do that either, uh, then uh, hiring a lawyer on a limited scope basis uh, could make sense there. 
And then the other concept uh, that the New Society is focusing on quite a bit is something called legal coaching. So traditionally, uh, people have come to lawyer's office for consultation uh, <clears throat> and the lawyer and the client try to figure out uh, if they're going to open up a file. Uh, both of them are assessing that. Uh, the client is thinking, can they afford uh, to have a lawyer for everything? Uh, <clears throat> and some of them uh, think that they can't. Uh, or maybe they have better places to put their resources or uh, maybe it's a, a family law dispute where they're just fighting about orthodontics and they say, all right, well, am I really going to spend thousands of lawyer, thousands of dollars on a lawyer to get reimbursed for a thousand dollars worth of expenses? Uh, so legal coaching uh, is kind of a shift away from that consultation model uh, where people just come to a lawyer once and then either the lawyer takes on the file or they don't or the client wants to open up a file and they don't. <clears throat> so instead, the, the idea behind coaching is that we want people to know that it's okay to keep coming back to lawyers, uh, even if they don't want to hire them on a full-time basis, if they come back when there's a dispute, uh, if they want to do uh, part of the negotiation or the court process on their own, uh, <clears throat> at least lawyers who are identifying themselves as being willing to do legal coaching uh, are happy to have people come back to them. Uh, for that ongoing advice. It doesn't have to be uh, a one-time consultation. Uh, they don't have to pretend like they're going to open up a file just so they can get a lawyer to speak to them. Uh, lawyers are willing to share uh, their knowledge. <clears throat> and uh, some disputes, some legal disputes, uh, you don't necessarily need a lawyer for. Uh, there's especially, uh, like my practice in family law, so I, I'm probably going to end up referring to that quite often. Yeah. Uh, but in family law, uh, take a parenting dispute, for example. Uh, is surely there's a lot of people don't feel comfortable advocating for themselves uh, and getting their positions out there. So they'll hire lawyers for that. Uh, but some people are comfortable getting the facts out there. Uh, and the test when it comes to most parenting disputes is just what's in the best interest of the child. Right. Uh, there's certainly a lot of uh, little points when it comes to uh, just procedure going through court. <clears throat> so it's good to get advice there. Uh, but when it comes down to the nitty gritty of negotiation, uh, once you have enough information about what, what are common disputes, what kind of arguments turn, uh, turn judges off or might just not be feasible, once you've had those consultations, especially on an ongoing basis, uh, it might be feasible for a lot of people to resolve their disputes there uh, just with some backup. So and that's, that's it in a nutshell anyways. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. So I, the goal is kind of, oh, go ahead, Evan. Oh, okay. Uh, no, you know what? Let's. I want to hear what you had to say first, and then I've got, I do have a question though. So put me in the queue. Yeah, I was just gonna um, say that the goal then is kind of to try and fill in some gaps in an efficient way, where someone might need a little bit of legal advice or guidance, but they can't afford, or maybe don't even require that full representation that most people imagine when they're hiring a lawyer. So maybe they just need an hour or two for some legal advice, or like you said, drafting some documents or things like that. What's an affidavit? And <laughs> have, have a lawyer walk them through that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Okay. The whole idea is to promote flexibility at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Trying to find out what are the needs uh, of the people requiring legal services and uh, making it clear that there's lawyers willing to adapt and be a little bit more flexible uh, that don't necessarily have to follow the traditional model. Because uh, there's a variety of ways to, uh, ways to get through legal dispute that don't necessarily need a lawyer at every step. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
and it's uh, not, not just for the people who can't afford legal services too because i know that uh you see quite often especially in family court uh <clears throat> like there are people who definitely could afford lawyers uh, but they just feel comfortable doing it themselves uh and their priorities their financial priorities uh, are different right uh, they have better things they can spend the money on like in right. disputes they can spend the money on their kids so it's, it's not uncommon to see, for example, even doctors uh, regularly representing themselves in family court. I uh, see that fairly often. Uh, hmm. they, uh, most most doctors could definitely afford lawyers, uh, but they have the willingness to uh, to, to figure figure things out and uh, and the comfort uh, advocating on their on their own. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. All about flexibility. Yeah. So in that example, that might be a doctor might feel comfortable enough advocating for themselves. They might feel comfortable with the paperwork side of things, but they might come to someone like you or me to say, like, I just don't know what the law is on this orthodontics piece. So let me spend a few <laughs> a few dollars there and, and get that figured out. And then I'll feel comfortable going ahead and, and doing all the other parts of it myself. Yeah, exactly. And especially uh, <clears throat> like because of our uh, federal provincial system uh, each each province has its own set of laws <clears throat> and sometimes it's quite different from uh, the laws in the other provinces I mean sometimes there's overlap uh, like child support rules tend to be fairly similar uh, other than a couple ways that they've been varied by appeal courts uh, but that means that because there's all these different provincial sets of laws uh, sometimes the laws quite different between provinces and it's difficult to find uh, information out online and so uh, one aspect of the new society that we put together is to try to get a little bit more information out there. <clears throat> uh, but alternatively, I mean, until that happens, until we have great resources out there, uh, then people being able to go to lawyers to be able to get that information just quickly, <clears throat> rather than having to spend hours and hours trying to figure everything out and worrying about, all right, well, what online is uh, out of date already? What's uh -huh. actually, what am I reading? Is it actually applying to a different province? Does it even apply? Am I going to go in there and they're just going to laugh me off and say, uh, no, that's the wrong law or it uh, changed last week because of the pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. An extra comfort level uh, so uh -huh. you can prepare a little bit. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the idea behind, uh, I mean, the idea but behind resolving a lot of disputes just from a negotiation theory standpoint, uh, is that people are a lot more likely to resolve disputes when each side has uh, the same type of information. <clears throat> so if both sides uh, know about the facts that are out there, uh, that's usually the first step in a lot of disputes is just exchanging information and documents. Uh, but then after that, uh, both sides have to have a fairly similar idea of uh, what the legal result might be. <clears throat> and because uh, that's the background of most negotiations. I mean, in, in a lot of legal disputes, you can agree on, uh, you have quite a bit of freedom uh, mm -hmm. to agree on uh, what each side is willing to agree to, uh, but it's nice to know what the alternative is, <clears throat> is if we don't come to an agreement, what would happen if we go to court? And so if each side has that, uh, then hopefully people are entering into settlements that uh, are uh, more informed, uh, less likely to be bullied if you know that you have a strong position, but maybe the other side is rid ridicul uh, ridiculing it or mm. uh, maybe you feel nervous about whether your position is right or not. Mm -hmm. uh, having that information is just critical. And so going uh, to legal coach, 
being able to go back to someone to run ideas by by them uh, mm -hmm. might be crucial. Mm. It could help uh, resolve a dispute right there. Right. Even, even before we really started uh, pressing for uh, legal coaching, uh, I remember there, there'd be so many people uh, who would come to my office, uh, would give them a consultation, give them a lot of information, uh, and then they'd thank me because that information helped them resolve the dispute. Just mm -hmm. that extra confidence or maybe uh, maybe even just uh, get, knowing some, some of the options out there, mm -hmm. uh, some of the different outcomes that might happen in a, in a dispute that might give them a little bit more ideas of what might happen. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I'll make that widespread. <laughs> <laughs> um, you mentioned, uh, well, I did too, I guess, our society. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, so the new society is called the Alberta Legal Coaches and Limited Services Society, uh, or for short, Alcos. Alcos. <laughs> it's definitely a mouthful. So luckily, our uh, luckily our website is a little bit uh, easier to remember, and that's albertalegal.org. Uh, so that, that's what I've been calling it uh, for short. Uh, I know some people just call it the Limited Scope Project um, or Limited Scope Society. <clears throat> uh, so the idea was to capture uh, what we do, but mm -hmm. we still have the short Alberta, albertalegal.org domain names that uh, were a little bit more memorable in that uh, respect. So uh, our society, uh, we were just incorporated in March uh, of this year. Uh, so it took a little while to get to incorporation because really this has been under works since about, about 2012, really. Because uh, I believe it was back in 2012 uh, that uh, the National Self-Represented Litigants Project started getting some steam, and there was a 2013 uh, study uh, from Professor Julie McFarlane uh, of that same project uh, that really started to get things going in Canada. And uh, so there was another organization that was uh, based out of uh, Alberta called the Canadian Research Institute for Law and the Family, <clears throat> and it decided to put out a pilot project about limited scope services in Alberta. Uh, so it put out a website uh, with basically a list of lawyers uh, who are willing to do limited scope services. <clears throat> and then uh, the person who was running, uh, running uh, Crelf at the time, uh, John Paul Boyd QC, uh, spent a lot of time going out to seminars. <clears throat> uh, and he worked with uh, Rob Harvey QC uh, to put together that project and that website. Uh, and they really put a lot of work into promoting uh, limited scope services in Alberta. <clears throat> and at the same time, they also uh, did a study. Uh, they're sending out survey cards and uh, promising gift cards, I think, uh, so they could get some feedback from both lawyers and clients. <clears throat> and the idea was, uh, all right, we're putting this website out there. We're going to let lawyers be on there for free, uh, but we want you to give, uh, give your feedback. Um, and so they put together a study uh, that let us know uh, how was it working? Was it actually helping people? Uh -huh. And it was an overwhelmingly positive re uh, response. Uh, fortunately, that's that's why we're here. That's why we're still around. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, on top of that, too, it gave us a few ideas of what was really working, uh, what wasn't working. Uh, so we found out that, uh, for example, uh, legal coaching uh, seemed to work fairly well. Uh, a lot of people have reported uh, that that's worked well for them. <clears throat> so it's been a heavy focus of the new society. 
there was uh, some misconceptions. So for example, uh, I think especially a lot of uh, third-party service providers were sending people to uh, the lawyers basically saying that it was a free or discount service, uh, which mm. it, it isn't. Like lawyers are still charging uh, oftentimes the regular hourly rate <clears throat> or maybe a fixed fee in some mm -hmm. situations, actually probably a lot more situations than, than you'd normally see. Um, but the idea is that just because, because of the model, uh, if you're only hiring a lawyer for part of it uh, and doing part of, uh, of resolving the dispute on your own, then naturally it probably should be less expensive uh, unless you're uh, sending multiple emails per week to your lawyer, maybe you're right. your lawyer for two hours a week uh, coaching that could that could add up over a year right uh, so from there um, once that survey was completed uh, the project uh, was wound up a little bit uh, as well as the Krilf uh, uh, itself uh, and so we decided to start up a new society <clears throat> uh, and there's uh, seven uh, people on our board of directors now uh, who put together that new society and we're hoping to promote legal uh, limited scope services. We're hoping to promote uh, legal coaching. We want to make sure that there's uh, regular education opportunities out there uh, so that lawyers can get trained, uh, so they can do it uh, a little bit more effectively and are, are a little bit more willing to help, uh, knowing that they have the support and knowing that they're doing it right. Mm -hmm. uh, and just to uh, educate the public in general, to speak to uh, third-party organizations, to try to promote uh, limited scope services, uh, that we have people people on the ground uh, mm -hmm. who are speaking to people who are having disputes. Um, and the largest component of the new society is our new website, the albertalegal.org website. Uh, so that's where we uh, put a lot of time into have a state-of-the-art brand new website uh, that's very easy to use, very easy to uh, match people up with a lawyer uh, and all kinds of additional resources on there. So between your time as a partner, a teacher, a dog wrangler, you're also very adept at web design. So uh, like, I, you've done a fabulous job on the website and there's a bunch of resources on there. That's where you can find lawyers who are um, willing to offer these kinds of services. Um, and if there are lawyers out there that are interested in offering these kinds of services, that's where they can sign up as well, right? To join the project. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So the albertalegal.org website is where uh, lawyers can sign up. They can set out uh, what kind of area of law they practice in, what kind of limited services are they willing to provide. And then that way, uh, when people are looking for lawyers uh, who provide the services, uh, it's, it's really easy. The, the first page just... Uh, has each of the municipalities, you click on which municipality you're in, uh, then what type of area of the law do you, do you need, uh, looking for someone who can do uh, business law or family law, whatever the case is, uh, and then there'll be a list of lawyers uh, who match uh, that criteria after that. So, and to be very easy to use. Uh, so you don't have to scroll through all 88 lawyers quicker <laughs> to, to match people. and. Uh, we're really trying to encourage uh, lawyers to participate too. So the, uh, the lawyers who are on the website more often or mo most recently are the ones who end up being higher in the rankings. Mm. <clears throat> right. I've got, I've got a clarification question here. So from the non-lawyer side, there's some things I'm trying to sort out in my brain right now and was hoping, and probably all three of you might be able to chime in on this. The 
the way I under, have understood things is when, when people are looking to separate divorce, lawyers like for people to sort of identify their, their sticking points, the issues, the problems that need solving. So my, I know a lot of people who are trying to figure out what route they need to, to take on first. Do they go to mediation? Do they go to collaborative law? Do they go to a litigator? What's the first step? And my assumption was that each one of these types of lawyers, even arbitrators as well, they want people to have clear issues identified. So then when you're talking about limited scope, I'm thinking, well, aren't all lawyers sort of narrowing down the key issues and working through those? How is this sort of a la carte limited scope situation different than what people would encounter and anywhere else? I was hoping you guys could comment on that. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And so I guess it depends on what type of uh, legal dispute there is out there. Uh, so typically, traditionally, uh, let's say if someone has disputes, they call a lawyer and say, hey, I'm having this dispute. I just need help. I need help. Uh, and then the lawyer comes up with a, a complete plan to get everything resolved. Uh, so the idea with limited scope work is that uh, it's usually people who've already acknowledged that they're not able to have a lawyer uh, for everything or that they've just chosen not to. Uh, or maybe they're speaking to a lawyer and the lawyer says, hey, uh, because of your dispute, maybe this would be amenable to limited scope work. So there's definitely different ways that people can connect. Uh, like let's say, for example, that uh, if people have figured out uh, how they're resolving their dispute, uh, but they go to the bank to get financing, the bank says, no, we're not going to lend you money unless you have uh, a settlement agreement in place. Then uh, it's okay for them to go to a lawyer, just get the, get the agreement drafted, uh, or maybe they've already been down the court process uh, and someone says, hey, do you, have a, uh, uh, do you have a legal coach to give you some idea uh, to talk to, to talk to you about this? And then uh, at that point, maybe they speak to a lawyer to get some advice. So there, there's different ways about how it might come about. Uh, but the big difference is just uh, that there's some assumption that uh, that the clients are doing some of the work on their own. Uh, so whether that's uh, that they feel uh, comfortable doing all of their negotiation on their own, uh, whether they want to be the ones who are in court advocating. So going back to that idea of a parenting dispute, uh, like they probably know all the facts better than any lawyer does, even if that lawyer spent a year uh, trying to figure out all of their, all of their history. Um, okay. And so if they feel comfortable going to court to advocate, maybe they just need help uh, just with the court forms, for example. So there's a lot of different ways about how it might come about. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, it just means that uh, the lawyer isn't doing every step uh, along the way and that, uh, and that the client is doing, doing part of it at least. And what, what that proportion is uh, depends on the scenario, what, what the client feel com feels comfortable with. Uh, there's certainly a lot of people who don't feel comfortable doing any of it on their own. Uh. And so they hire a lawyer to do, uh, do everything. And, th and that's just the traditional model. Uh -huh. uh, but I guess the idea is that um, part of the idea behind uh, the society and the concept and the philosophy uh, that we're promoting is that that doesn't necessarily always have to be the default. Uh, as even as lawyers, if someone comes to you and says, uh, hey, I, uh, my ex won't uh, reimburse me for their portion of the kid's braces, 
that maybe the lawyer should be saying, uh, all right, well, rather than uh, me charge you $10,000 uh, to, to fight about this, uh, right. one option is that I can give you the information, I can tell you how you can file in court, I can steer you to the resources, I can be your coach, uh, I can be your support, so you'd be comfortable doing this, uh, but at least you won't burn through a pile of money, more money than you'll get out of it. So it's just yeah. a, a change in philosophy at the end of the day. And, and that's my, that kind of comes to my question, which um, Heather didn't come back to me, so I had to jump in myself. <laughs> um, can, like, I sell limited scope retainers so hard, and not very many clients take me up on it. Um, and some do, and I, I have, and those are some of my favorite files where I'm just helping coach somebody through it. And we meet periodically for a brief meeting where they give me an update and I help them figure out what to do next. And, and I feel great because I feel like I'm really providing a lot of value to this person and they're taking care of, of getting everything done uh, on their own. And, and I think it's a really, a real win-win from my perspective. Um, so what in your experience, and, and Heather, please answer as well, is the biggest hesitance that you see in in clients from like why do they why do they choose even when it looks like they could probably do it um why do they choose to pay more to get the full representation what's what is the biggest thing that keeps people hesitating from from getting a legal coach or paying for a limited scope uh, service yeah that's that's a phenomenal uh, question and uh, i mean there's a lot of factors that go into it uh, is I think that most people who contact a lawyer uh, are just intending for the lawyer to uh, to take care of everything. They've already made that decision, so we're not gonna not gonna not gonna be able to convert uh, most of the people that come to us, uh, and that's not why they're calling us. Uh, the majority, and that's that's okay. Uh, but I think part of the idea, especially behind the society, is to be able to connect people uh, who haven't made that step is maybe they've just started to go down the court path themselves. Uh, maybe they're just so intimidated uh, that they just uh, gave up on their legal rights that they never even bothered in the first place. And so the idea is to connect those people who aren't the ones uh, who call uh, lawyers first uh, to be able to say, hey, we've got options. Uh, speaking to a lawyer doesn't have to uh, mean thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, is that there's other options out there uh, we can support you in, uh, in different ways that there's that that happy medium uh, so i don't i don't think we necessarily have to convert to all the people who are coming to us um, and i think there's a lot of factors of why people want to have a lawyer for every step i mean a lot of it would just be anxiety um, like even if uh, even if a, a, a an automotive mechanic uh, told me that i could do a, a big project on my own uh, well, it would take a huge amount of time. Um, I'd always be worried about it. <laughs> I'd always be worried about something going sideways. Like, what if I, uh, what if I plug in the wrong thing uh, in my car, and then I'm stranded in minus forty? Like, I, I think people have the same anxieties about uh, legal services. Uh, what if I, what if I say the wrong thing to the judge, and then I uh, lose parenting time with my kids, or uh, don't get support, or pay so much support uh, that I'm not going to be able to, uh, to be afloat, or um, or, I mean, one really big factor is that, um, that re really deserves saying is that the courts, uh, are often designed 
really for for big companies at the end of the day. Like we've got all these big procedures to make everything fair and discoveries and undertakings and uh, mandatory dispute resolution services and hiring experts and having to go through all these steps to get to an ultimate trial. Because uh, even in even in family law, uh, when you're divorcing, like to get property dealt with, uh, usually you have to go through a full trial. So the, the assumption we play all these games where uh, we try to build up enough leverage, we try to negotiate uh, so that we can come to a settlement and avoid court because uh, the vast majority of people uh, just can't afford to go through a full trial with all those procedural steps to go through. Uh, it's just incredibly uh, time consuming, uh, but there's some people uh, who are just inevitably gonna end up uh, going through a trial at the end of the day. And so having, uh, having uh, lawyers who can at least help them get through those steps uh, even though the vast majority of people can't afford to have a lawyer go through all of that, uh, could be very benef beneficial there as well. Uh, and so in some cases, it's just out of necessity uh, that we have to provide these alternative methods because uh, there's a lot of people in courts who are representing themselves. Uh, and right now, uh, they're frustrated. Uh, I'm sure it's incredibly intimidating uh, to be in court and uh, not know if you're going to say the wrong thing and have a judge uh, be really, uh, really unhappy about it. Because uh, judges get frustrated um, in what they see is uh, sometimes sometimes uh, improper uses of court process uh, can tick them off. Uh, and of course, we're using very limited government resources. And, uh, the courts are already already strained and slow. Uh, so really, it means that as a profession, uh, if we can change. Uh, and we can help people out uh, if we can let them know you don't have to be on your own uh, anymore. Is there's there's alternatives? Like you know, really, my my dream is that uh, eventually judges will even ask people who don't have lawyers, uh, "Hey, do you have a uh, legal coach? Uh, have you thought about getting one?" Uh, maybe that's a possibility. And then uh, people who are just completely lost and intimidated already uh, might be a little bit more likely to. Uh, uh, to get a little bit of backup uh, from the legal community without without going bankrupt. Yeah, I think that's really well um, explained, Ken. And I, you know, that was my my gut reaction when Evan asked that question. Was I think it is a big emotional piece. Um, a lot of times when people come that they are, yeah, they're intimidated, they're afraid, they're going through this complicated process, they're stressed out. Um, and it's just uh, the path of least resistance sometimes to have someone that's just going to take care of everything for you. But um, certainly, I think there are a lot of folks that could benefit from a few hours of legal coaching um, that just don't know that that option's out there. So, um, yeah, yeah, well said. So what's the difference between a divorce coach and a legal coach? Is there a difference? Because <laughs> we had divorce coaching on our last episode. Yeah, we've got the coaches back to back. <laughs> yeah, so there's a little bit of overlapping in terminology. Because uh, in the collaborative divorce process, there's also an idea of uh, a coach. Uh, and there's certain people, uh, like, it's, it sounds like it's a little bit more common in Calgary, too, to have, uh, like, non-lawyer uh, coaches uh, to help people get through the divorces. Uh, I don't know if, I don't know if there's a lot of people doing that in Edmonton. Uh, but 
there's not it's not really a regulated term uh, so that's why there's a little bit of overlap uh, between what happens uh, and what, pe what people call themselves so uh, people just for marketing purposes have used that term before uh, <clears throat> or have used that term uh, to be a little bit more of an intermediary and a separation uh, there's certain people who uh, have marketed themselves as just being being there for support um, uh, especially for people who don't have lawyers um, so it's just a term that overlaps from that from that perspective so uh, same thing uh, with our society we just had to pick a term and we thought that term was the best way to explain because um, i think it kind of invokes the idea of someone who's uh, a, a player out on the ice maybe and then they go back to their coach and their co coach gives them a little bit of direction um, so we just thought it was a simple term, but there's not, not really any regulation, not really any, any law about who can call themselves a coach. And, and that's okay. <laughs> You'd be getting legal advice though, still from a coach or you from a legal coach or could be getting legal advice from them where I'm a divorce coach would be sort of helping you more with those communication and emotional aspects of the divorce, but wouldn't be able to give you legal advice as a non-lawyer. Right. Right. Exactly. So, so I guess legal coach would be more of uh, coaches who are lawyers. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. You, get, you do get pep talks from both, though. Yeah. <laughs> I, I definitely pep talk my clients that I'm coaching. You can do this. <laughs> Non-court's nothing. You got this. Just go in there. You say, hey, I want a JDR. Let's do it. And you get it. <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. <laughs> Maybe we should be giving foam fingers. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I know, like, I, um, when I, when I was articling even, um, my principal was convinced that this is the way, a key way that we can bridge the, the gap of, of the access to justice problem is through limited scope retainers or legal mm -hmm. coaching. And so very early, in, like right from the beginning of my career, I was encouraged to do it, to provide, offer that as a service and, and saw the benefits of it. And so I've always, I've always tried to do it. I, uh, and I have one client that, um, that they came to see me and they were very adamant of like, I don't want full representation. I can do most stuff myself. I just, I just need a little bit of help. And, um, like I was joking about giving the pep talk, but really that's a lot of what I provide to this client is they'll get an email from the lawyer on the other side or something. And my client will be freaked right out about it and be like, you know, ah, I need to talk. And then, you know, I'll have a, a, a talk and I'll just let them know, oh yeah, this is fine. And you just need, don't worry too much about it. Uh, continue on with your plan. You have a good plan and you know, whatever, whatever it is. And, um, that doesn't cost my client that much money. It could be like a 15 minute phone call and, uh, to that. And then, okay. They've, they've got that, what you were mentioning before, Ken, of like having that confidence to be able to go up against somebody that might otherwise be bullying them. I'd hate to ever think a lawyer is bullying, but I think it does happen to have that confidence to stand their ground and they're like, no, okay. I have, good solid grounding on on my side and uh it's okay for me to be to stand up here and and you know 
I know what I'm talking about in this particular instance. And, and I think that uh, this particular client is like super, super happy to pay me for, for uh, the legal coaching that I'm providing. And I think this client has spent an exorbitant amount before it was a high conflict case. And so to her, she sees the value. Not everyone can see that, especially right from the beginning. Um, sometimes, it, honestly, um, it seems like the, the person has to get burned first before they realize, oh, this is, this is not feasible. Um, I don't know, what are your thoughts on that, Ken? Have you seen that as well? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think in general, a lot of people who uh, don't have lawyers and they're still going through the court system are people who have really exhausted a lot of the resources already. Uh, the people who've already uh, paid for lawyers before right. and they've seen a lot of what the lawyers have done. So it's, uh, they're starting to get a feel of the court forms uh, and a little bit more about the court process and they've learned enough uh, to go out on their own. Uh, but at that point, I mean, sometimes it's too late. If they've already spent a lot of resources, uh, then it's tougher to go back to a lawyer. Uh, and it's really, I mean, a lot of those people are the ones who we want, uh, we want them to know uh, that it's possible to keep coming back uh, to a lawyer, uh, either for specific tasks that they're not comfortable with, uh, or for coaching in general. Uh, so, for example, I, uh, I've I've always really enjoyed uh, all of the limited scope work that I've done, uh, but there's one in particular that got me uh, really excited about it, and it was one where I was just hired for a questioning, um, and the questioning uh, transcript ended up being very useful, uh, and it was someone who. Uh, uh, already uh, had a lack of resources, had already gone through uh, lawyers before. Uh, and then after that, uh, they hired me again for a different service later on. They were, uh, they're that happy and we ended up getting everything resolved. Uh, so there's certainly a lot of people who uh, feel lost in the system. They've, they don't have the option of uh, hiring lawyers to do everything anymore. Uh, and you're, I think you're right too, is that once, once they can kind of see what happened, what's happened uh, once they have a little bit of confidence to do things on their own. Uh, uh, then it's just nice that they know that, that there's that option out there, uh, a little bit of a hybrid approach. It's not, not all or nothing anymore. They don't have to go back uh, to that type of scenario uh, where they're paying, paying lawyers to do everything uh, when that might be beyond their budget. You know, th that's another point though, that, that I, I just thought of about this particular client that you mentioned is, it, like I said, it, before it was really high conflict and there's been a steady state for a number of years and now this client just wants to f get a divorce. And the client, my client is not interested in, in protracted litigation. She's not interested in fighting in court about stuff, just wants to get the divorce done. And there's some minor issues that need to be resolved for that. So her approach is, is practical, but, and I probably, more practical now than it was at the very beginning. Mm. You know what I mean? So I, I think that also kind of helped make this person more suitable to, to that type of a arrangement now than before. Because, you know, going to trial on a limited scope, that, that sounds daunting to me even. You know, uh, mm. I, 
I want, I want somebody else to take care of the trial for me. I don't want to do it. <laughs> uh, I was wondering that if I could, can I hire Ken on a limited scope to do questioning on my files? Is that a thing? No. <laughs> and, and I mean, that's, that's a funny comment too, because especially, uh, especially in family law, I can't speak for others, but it's so rare that we ever end up in trial. Uh -huh. uh, like I've, I've got one next, next month, just coincidentally, but before that I hadn't been one one for a few years even yeah and so it's not like not like lawyers are in trial every day either uh no. depending on the type of law i guess for like for criminal right. defense lawyers they're probably in trial quite often but yeah yeah for for many of us though uh just means a lot of work and i mean if uh, if the client is willing to do a lot of those a lot of that legwork on their own uh to get everything organized and if they know the facts uh very well anyways uh then I mean it's it's going to be a daunting process either way, and trials are always going to be messy. And picking what what you can actually get into and not being able to go through everything, and maybe not being able to hire all the experts you'd uh, you'd ideally uh, wish you could afford, but that's something that uh, that lots of people do get through on their own. Uh, but they can get through it in a lot more efficient and cooperative and uh, less less intimidating process if they have a little bit of support behind them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I've been busy doing a compare and contrast in my head while you guys are talking. <laughs> and Okay, hear me out on this, and I want you guys to set me straight. So we have many people who go to mediation to solve onesie-twosie issues. It's supposed to be cheaper. Um, it's a place where many people um, are, are many people are attracted to that idea. And I'm starting to wonder if limited scope with coaching is the legal version of the mediation route because it's a little bit cheaper but you will get legal advice but you get that just potential you know chatting things through with somebody so like how do you how do you explain this to people when they're trying to put themselves into a, a bucket where they can afford their divorce it, it, can you suggest that limited scope coaching option as sort of a the legal option to mediation is that even sort of close <clears throat> yeah it's, it's just all different methods uh and part of it is that there's not really a one-size-fits-all approach uh like me mediation uh can be fantastic uh like lots of people get through it without lawyers especially if it's something relating to uh like maybe it's an area where there's not not a huge amount of law such as parenting or it's more about finding a practical result uh, and mediation also has the same advantage in that uh, if people are hiring a mediator without lawyers, then uh, each side is just paying towards the mediator. So it could be less costly. Uh, and if they're able to resolve it outside of courts, then it means not having to do all those extra steps. Uh, but mediation is just one process. Uh, like the, the impediment to mediation sometimes is that uh, both sides have to agree to it. You can't force the other side into mediation. Uh, and there's a lot of people out there uh, who just aren't in the right mind frame, I guess, uh, to come to a negotiated agreement. Is uh, there's some mediations where, uh, let's say, if someone's just being unreasonable or they just refuse to do something, uh, then a mediator can put a lot of pressure on them, can let them know what might happen in court, uh, can give them the sense that maybe it's inevitable uh, that the, what they're opposing uh, might happen anyways. Uh, but if they continue to oppose, then sometimes you need something like court. And so for those people who really have to go down that traditional 
uh, method if they aren't able to get into something like uh, mediation, arbitration, or collaborative law, uh, then that I think that's where uh, limited scope services is more geared towards. Uh, and, and even mediation, like don't get me wrong, people can hire lawyers for that too. Uh -huh. uh, that, that could be a form of limited scope work. Maybe someone uh -huh. is representing themselves in court, but they say, all right, well, uh, both sides are willing to agree to mediation, so let's give it a shot, but I don't feel comfortable advocating on my own. Uh, I get really intimidated uh, when the other side is there, uh, don't know the law, whatever, whatever the case is, so they can hire a lawyer even just for that. Uh -huh. uh, so it's about finding a process that fits. Um, like I, Ideally, uh, very, very long term, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if family law ended up going to some kind of model uh, where people just keep going back to the same, uh, same type of arbitrator, mm -hmm. someone who can tell them, all right, these are the documents I need, this, this, the homework I need to do, come back next meeting, I'll make a decision, or I'll say what else, what other homework we need to do, uh, rather than going through a different judge each time. Um, so, I mean, something like arbitration can be great. Um, but arbitration, mediation, uh, those also cost money at the same mm -hmm. time, too. Yeah. Um, arbitration, especially, a little bit more so than mediation. But uh, again, with arbitration, each side also has to agree to it. Same thing with, with uh, collaborative family law. Each side has to agree to the process. Uh, so th they're great processes uh, if you can get people to agree to them, uh, if there's uh, at least some uh, desire to cooperate. I mean, we're not not talking about people who uh, necessarily cooperate about everything because otherwise they wouldn't need one of these processes. <laughs> That's right. Everything. Mm -hmm. uh, but there has to be at least a, a minimum amount, a, a small amount to cooperate, even if uh, maybe they just have different ideas of what should happen, but they still want to get things resolved. Uh, the mediation is great for that. Uh, mm -hmm. But especially if you have one side who's just dragging their feet, uh, maybe there's uh, some mental health issues involved. Uh, they tend to be a little bit more likely to go through the court process. Uh, and so that's that's what a lot of limited scope uh, work tends to be geared towards, is those people who uh, find themselves forced into the court process. Uh, or, and, But there's a lot of forms. So limited scope work could uh, be involved in other areas. It just tends to be a little bit more, uh -huh. uh, tends to be used a little bit more often on disputes that uh, go towards court. Yeah, I, I have some thoughts on it, but Heather, I think you also do. I would like to hear your thoughts first. Yeah, um, I mean, collaborative law, the process requires each person to be represented by a lawyer. So I think that limited services, limited scope services and coaches would probably not dovetail with that process particularly well. But, um, yeah, I think that that legal coaches could really serve in any of the other dispute resolution processes quite well. So Ken was saying, you know, maybe sometimes people get a little hung up in mediation on something. Someone's being a little unreasonable. So, you might check in with a coach then and say, listen, this is what's going on. Are they being unreasonable or am I what's going on? Um, and get some advice and some information that might help that log jam that the mediator without giving, they're not able to give legal advice in the mediation. So, um, you know, that could help in that respect. I'm just kind of like thinking through the different scenarios. So I think Ken's right that we often see these happening in the litigation 
um, process, but I think that legal coaches could be really useful in most of the other dispute resolution processes too. Yeah, I, I, so I, I think of it kind of this way, Kim. Um, the at the very outset, like when I first meet with a client, I, I look at uh, at the at the end of the meeting. Um, I talk about options for resolving things and generally it kind of goes like this the best and cheapest way to do it is direct negotiation two people sitting in the in in the room together and hammering it out that's the cheapest and often if possible produces the best results that everyone's happy with um and so in a way like i, I have plenty of clients where after that first consultation they just needed that information so then they could know what they're talking about in order to be able to negotiate one-on-one. -on -one. In fact, one of the, like I, I think I've mentioned before, I have these different tiers of initial consultations and um, the higher tiers, I give them a written summary of, of the, the, um, the advice that I give them in that meeting. And that's a nice tool that they can use. They can take in their hand, they can show it to the other person if they want, if, as long as it's nothing that's gonna, you know, prejudice their, their position. And usually it's not, usually it's general um, advice about their situation, uh, not necessarily like uh, something that would be a problem to share. And so they can take that into negotiations and show them, look, this is what a lawyer said is the reasonable kind of, this is what the law says about child support or what about, or, or about spousal support. And that can be a tool to help them. And, and so that's, that's, in a way, that's like a limited scope. Yeah, even though we don't necessarily, I don't necessarily talk about it that way, but that is a situation where they've got advice from me and they've taken that and, and then they can go and do something themselves. And then kind of like the next step up would be represented negotiation. And then if that's not working out and mediation would be in there as well, somewhere in between those or something, then you need a third party decision maker if none of those work. And so arbitration or court. Um, and yeah, I think Ken summed it up, summed it up well, where you know, they could be involved anywhere along that, that process. Now, Ken, you are an arbitrator, right? Yeah, that's right. And you are a mediator as well? experienced one, but. <laughs> Sorry, what's that? Not, not a particularly experienced one. I'm just starting to get into arbitration. Um, but you are an experienced family lawyer. And we've talked before about how important it is that if you're gonna choose a mediator, uh, it should be a family lawyer that's experienced that can help make sure that the result is good. And I would say arbitrator the same. And so uh, do you, Ken, as an arbitrator, because arbitrators, not everyone will allow what we call self-represented litigants. Well, they're not litigants in this case, but self-represented people to, to, to uh, come to an arbitration. Do you, uh, do you have self-represented people in, in your arbitrations or do you allow that? I, I haven't yet. Uh, just because my referrals tend to be from other lawyers. And uh, like my, most of my practice is separations involving businesses. So I think at that level, people tend to be just more likely to have lawyers. Mm -hmm. uh, but in, in theory, though, is uh, I wouldn't have any kind of problem with uh, someone who's self-represented being part of a, an arbitration. Uh, and I think it'd be a great idea if they, uh, if they had a legal coach. Uh, yeah. In arbitration, you're hiring, you're hiring a private individual. Uh, and sometimes we'll do uh, fixed fee quotes, uh, but even then, uh, like when I when I do a fixed fee, I usually say unless there's some kind of change in the scope. So unless maybe new issues come up, and then all of a sudden we need extra days of hearings, uh, 
And so if people are still paying for the arbitrator, uh, then if they have a legal coach, then that can minimize the chances that they might have to go through some of those extra steps and still uh, reduce their cost in the arbitration. Because uh, that, that's the only big concern is that uh, with someone who uh, doesn't know the process quite as well, they might, uh, uh, it, it might mean a higher cost on the arbitration end. Yeah, so, right. but otherwise, yeah, I think, really, I think that arbitration is very, very well suited uh, to people who don't have lawyers. So the whole, whole idea behind arbitration is that uh, we don't have uh, court rules anymore. Like the, we still have the law about uh, how issues should be resolved, <clears throat> uh, but we don't have all the really technical processes. So really in a lot of ways, it's meant to be uh, a process that uh, can help people who don't have lawyers. Uh, it can be a process that's less intimidating because there's far fewer rules um, and you're going to get a going to get a decision at the end of the day. You don't have to jump through all these hoops because the hearing gets uh, scheduled ahead of time. You don't get to a point where you just don't know what to do next, uh, and so uh, you don't move forward. An arbitration hearing scheduled, uh, the arbitrator can help identify if uh, there's any preliminary issues to be dealt with, uh, like do we need to get financial information exchanged first? Uh, and even though I haven't. Uh, necessarily arbitrated where there is someone who's a self-represented litigant. Uh, I've been part of, I've been the lawyer, one of the lawyers for one of the parties uh, on files where uh, there are self-represented litigants. Uh, and it seems like, uh, it seems like it, it does help them because they can focus on uh, pointing out like, what are they seeking? Uh, and what are the facts without having to focus so much time on just trying to figure out the procedure? Um, so I, I think it's a phenomenal process for, uh, mm -hmm. for people who don't have lawyers at every step. Mm -hmm. uh, but something like coaching can be uh, very helpful uh, in just making sure that everything's done efficiently, uh, that, uh, that there aren't issues that they're uh, uh, that maybe they're uh, skipping past, like they might might be leaving money on the table if they don't mm -hmm. know about their full legal rights. The only, the only kind of concern I would have, and, and maybe I'm not, I don't understand uh, arbitration, uh, maybe I misunderstand something about arbitration, but we had Catherine Spafford on here in our, one of our early episodes, and she talked to us about arbitration. And one of the things she told us is that the arbitrator can only make a decision based on what's presented to the arbitrator. And so the only concern I would have is if the um, self-represented individual is going to be able to present the law uh, that supports their, their position and present enough to enable the arbitrator to, to make a decision, um, if that makes sense. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you have to be able to, you have to, be able to point out what you're asking for. Like if someone, uh, if someone is in an arbitration and they don't uh, ask for something, uh, the arbitrator pro probably won't address that. And it could even be an error for the arbitrator to address it if someone doesn't bring it up. Because uh, the arbitrator has to be neutral. Like they can't try to think of what might be an argument for one side, even if they don't have a lawyer. Uh, so they've got to be fair in their process. They can't, can't steer uh, anyone around. Uh, is they can help out with the process a little bit, but they're not meant to be there to, to advocate for someone 
uh, or to make sure that everyone's claiming all of their legal rights. They're there to make a decision. They're there to be neutral. Uh, they're hopefully not helping out uh, either party's arguments. Uh, but you definitely want to, to know what you're going what you're asking for before you go into it. Yeah, because otherwise you might might be leaving something on the table. Mm -hmm. um, I have one pretty practical question, I think, which is if I'm looking at hiring a legal coach or someone to help me out with a limited scope um, services sort of situation, how do I know what I'm responsible for and what the lawyer is responsible for? Like if I get a letter from the other lawyer or get served with something, um, how do I know who is doing what with that thing? <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's an excellent idea because it brings up a, a pretty big point about limited uh, scope services in that uh, there's always a service agreement signed at the beginning uh, or at least <laughs> At least there should be lawyers <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, handling it properly. And the idea is that the Law Society has put out rules that basically say that if someone's entering into a uh, limited scope uh, arrangement, it has to be really, really clear to the client about uh, what's expected. And so the idea is that it's put out in writing to say, uh, this is exactly what you're hiring the lawyer for. And so it might be defined to one task. It might just say meetings with the lawyer uh, the agreement might go into a little bit more detail just to specify, all right, if, uh, if the client gets served with legal documents, if they, uh, if they get letters from the opposing lawyer uh, or whatever happens, uh, that they're responsible for that. Uh, so it depends on how it's drafted, but either way, uh, the Law Society's rules are clear, uh, that it has to be clear. Uh, the expectations have to be clear. So we don't want people misled uh, into thinking that they have a lawyer when maybe they've only hired a lawyer for very specific things. And then maybe they get uh, served with a court document and uh, no one attends to it. Uh, it's got to be clear. Mm -hmm. And so uh, oftentimes uh, the service agreement will say that uh, each side can agree to add additional tasks. Uh, and uh, ideally it should, it should be in writing if there's that mm -hmm. kind of agreement. Uh, and until then, uh, it's usually expected that the client would be responsible for those steps. Uh, but all comes down to the agreement. It's, it's just important that that's well spelled out uh, and that people have those conversations with their lawyers. Uh, so if, if the agreement doesn't make sense, uh, if it's more than just one very specific distinct task, uh, they might want to ask, all right, well, what if I get served with a, a court application? Uh -huh. Uh, am I going to court? It's worth specifying those kinds of things and just asking those questions, uh, the what ifs. Uh, but uh, ho hopefully, I mean, hopefully you don't even have to go into all the what ifs, uh, is that usually the agreement uh, should be clear enough to say uh, what is and what isn't covered at the end of the day. And it's because it's ultimately the lawyer's responsibility uh, to point those things out, to have that specified in the agreement, to have those discussions. <clears throat> and how about people's obligations then to talk to other or to let other people know that they've hired a coach or someone on a limited scope basis? So if I'm negotiating with my ex on parenting, do I need to let my ex know that I'm being coached by Evan or do I need to let the other lawyer know? Do I need to let the court know? Uh, so generally you don't, you don't need to let people know that you're speaking 
coach. It can be completely confidential. Uh -huh. That way, when you show up in court and you already know the law, you can just pretend that you did a lot of research and, and you're brilliant. <laughs> That's true. <Fact. laughs> and uh, some lawyers will also specify, like, because if uh, if lawyers uh, are contacted by their lawyers or contacted by the courts or uh, contacted by the other party, uh, like sometimes we have an obligation to respond. Uh -huh. And so we might even specify in the service agreement to say, uh, like, look, if, if you're filing any court documents, uh, you can't list our, co our contact information. Because um, there's danger there, too, is that if, if the lawyers think they're not representing the person, uh, maybe they're not forwarding uh, things over right away. Uh, maybe there's lag in communication. Uh, maybe, uh, maybe the other side is misled into thinking what's going to happen and who they're supposed to serve. Because people need to know who they should be dealing with. Right. <clears throat> Yeah, so usually that's something that's discussed, uh, both in service agreements uh, and by uh, usually by lawyers performing limited scope services. Okay. Uh, but it depends on what everyone agrees to at the end of the day. Okay. So those are going to be chats you're having with the lawyer at the time you're hiring them before you really get into things. Yeah, usually, yeah. Good. Okay. Yeah, I, I, for my approach, Heather, I, as you know, I, I usually use a scope of work that details exactly what I'm doing. And so um, yeah, I, I try to make it very clear for my clients, if I am operating on a limited scope, what exactly that means. And usually, instead of just having it's only what's in the scope of work, it'll also say, and I'm definitely not doing these things unless we specifically agree, including things like what, what Ken just mentioned, which is getting on the court file as a lawyer on record. Like that's a, if you're on limited scope, you definitely don't want to do that unless that's part of what, what the client wants you to do um, because that changes everything. Um, and like it or not, judges treat self-represented litigants different than lawyers. And most of the time, they're more lenient to self-represented litigants. They're not, they're not really supposed to be, but you know, the judges are interested in seeing justice done not, and, and normally not standing on procedure for the sake of, of the procedure. And so, um, you know, if you're not, if your argument isn't quite perfect um, and you're not quite polished, there, there's just more forgiveness there inherently in the system, right or wrong. So it can, I don't want to say it's like, you're necessarily going to get an advantage being a self, being coached versus hiring a lawyer. Cause I, I don't know that that's necessarily true, but um, yeah, it, it, there's consequences for, for going as a, uh, going to court by yourself with that legal coach behind you, as opposed to having a lawyer on the record representing you in the court. Yeah. And the, the idea there is that, uh, judges are typically bound to at least be a little bit more procedurally lenient, uh, or at least be a little bit more aware uh, of the struggles that people without lawyers might be facing. Uh, so it doesn't mean that they're uh, getting any kind of advantages uh, about the uh, ultimate outcome. Uh, right. Uh, uh -huh. But if they need, uh, if they're not doing things uh, completely properly along the way, uh, in some ways, sometimes they will uh, receive a little bit of lenience uh, that maybe a lawyer might not. Mm -hmm. um, even though, uh, even then, I 
I had one lord tell me a while ago that uh, that it was important to be able to uh, put your pride aside as a lawyer too, and ask the, ask the court for a little bit of leniency sometimes too. <laughs> uh, if there's a, sometimes you can ask the court for a little bit of procedural leniency, and I think a lot of lawyers just often don't ask that because it can make them uh, look weak or maybe not as confident or whatever whatever they're right. worried about. Right. The day. Uh, I tend to find that uh, if you ask if you can tell courts why you need uh, a little bit of leniency when it comes to procedure. Sometimes they'll uh, they'll help you out a little bit more. Uh -huh. uh, but when it comes to law, those uh, courts can't uh, courts can't uh, relax the law when it comes to people who don't have lawyers. The uh, how the dispute is how the dispute is decided at the end of the day uh, doesn't change there, and so that's where uh, if people are at least speaking to uh, a legal coach uh, and getting that information, uh, then hopefully they're maximizing what they're entitled to at the law by making making the right arguments that they need to make. Yeah, it's, that's a good point. Uh, good point, Ken. I, to be clear, um, we don't think you should uh, rush to court, being ignorant of procedure, thinking that you're going to win the day because you're self-represented litigant and you're not expected to know it. That's a high, that's a very very risky <laughs> choice to make. Definitely. <laughs> But if you are somebody that feels comfortable going to court, um, but don't feel like spending a, a whole lot of money on a lawyer, spend a little bit of money on a lawyer for a legal coach, and it can be money very well spent. Mm. Absolutely. So yeah. Kim, does that answer your question? Yeah, and I have a, I have a Mythbuster question now. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so many, as we know, many people think that lawyers are money hungry and just trying to get a lot of money from the divorce. Uh, was curious, somebody listening to this might think, oh, geez, like, I need to warn my friend who's in divorce. Maybe they're a limited scope and not a full scope. They need to be aware of this before going to the lawyer so they're not sold on a full scope when they might only need limited scope. So my question to all three of you like, is- Like the upsell. Like the, like, is there an upsell for the- Extended family? warranty on the VCR. Do people still sell VCRs? I don't know. <laughs> only in is, antique shops. <laughs> do you guys upsell? Divorce, like as a full scope, or do lawyers, not you guys, you guys are awesome. Is there a risk for people not being educated before going in? I, I think it's almost a question of a downsell, is that we already have people coming to us uh, who want want the full mm -hmm. divorce, uh, want full representation. Uh, as we're talking more about a cultural shift to be able to go out of our way to tell people uh, that uh, maybe in some circumstances that's not quite necessarily. Mm -hmm. Um, especially if, uh, if we meet with a client and we find that maybe their financial picture doesn't accommodate uh, or maybe what they're seeking uh, might not be cost-effective to pursue, uh, then it's another option in, in the lawyer's toolbox. Um, so it's more of a, an ethical obligation to uh, point that out at the end of the day uh, when people are already coming to us for more, be, uh, being able to tell them, uh, maybe you don't need the full meal deal. So. I'll call it a downsell. <laughs> and yeah, really, yeah, I, down. I mean, I don't know if anyone's in family law for for the money either. Uh, typically, uh, <laughs> like, going back, going back All to right, the customs <laughs> uh, really, 
there's a huge risk in that if a separation is drawn out too long, uh, people run out of money, they become collection risks. Uh, like really, we tend to make more money by getting things resolved quickly uh, before people run out of money. Because <laughs> uh, otherwise, we're just not getting paid. Uh, yeah, but Look, I mean, the, the, the number of people that can afford a real, like, knockdown, drag out divorce, are, there's just not that many of them. I mean, no. even the Gates, they just, they did a uh, separation agreement before they announced the divorce, right? Like, they, they know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, like, upsell, I, Ken brings up s such good points, like, so he de deals a lot with people who have businesses um, and, and they become quite complicated for that reason. And because a business is successful, so there's, there's money there. And in corporate law where there's litigation between businesses, there's money there. And businesses can see the litigation as a cost of doing business. Family law is just not like that. There's a finite amount of money. Most people are employees who have a salary that is X and most people are not like operating on 60% of their salary and they've just got 40% they can burn on legal fees. You know, there's like, there's a finite amount of money. Mm -hmm. And if it starts to get complicated and, and difficult, then that money runs out. And then whether or not they want to be by choice, they're now without a lawyer. So uh, that's like a, that's something that, I see all the time a, a client coming who doesn't necessarily have a lot of money and one of the, one, I really try to tell them or make available to them as an option if they want to keep their legal fees down that I'll, I'll help them as little or as much as they want. Um, and I think, I don't know about Ken and Heather, but the thing that I enjoy the most about practicing family law is helping people. So like the relationships with my clients and teaching them, helping them, things that I, and, and even negotiating with other lawyers, if it's, you know, a lawyer who also likes negotiating and is, we've got reasonable clients. Those are the kinds of things that I enjoy. Things I, I wouldn't mind doing without. Going to docket court or, you know, even going to court at all. I, I, I wouldn't be upset if I never went to court ever again. Um, and so, I'm happy to provide the services of the things that I enjoy doing, like teaching my client, helping my client problem solve to figure out how the law uh, um, works in their case and and, and uh, avoid the stuff that is annoying. Mm -hmm. So it, the, it is kind of an upsell that is a downsell because it's, it's really a win for me and it's cheaper for the client. Mm -hmm. Heather, what do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I couldn't agree with both of you more. I love the idea, <laughs> the concept that it's actually more of a downsell in some circumstances. And like, I wish I had the opportunity in a way to talk to the people that feel like they can't afford any legal advice at all and upsell them just a little bit for an hour or two with a lawyer or a coach on a limited scope basis. Um, because I think that could really help them along through the process a lot more quickly. 
it might keep them out of court entirely. Um, and it could be a little bit of money well spent. So if we could just, you know, disseminate the message that um, there are folks out there that will help a little bit. Um, and that that little bit of help might actually push things along a lot. That's where I would like to upsell things. Um, yeah. This is a very important message. I think that a lot of a lot of people, especially in my industry in the financial services, I think th this is a message that people need to be delivering to people because Heather, to your point, many people don't seek out legal advice because they worry about what the cost is and they just don't go down that, that road. They don't even explore it. Mm -hmm. And what all three of you are saying is, hold on, there's help. There's help for you. And we need you to reach out to us so we can tell you what that's all about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's not suitable for everybody, but uh, it sounds like all three of us are willing to try it out for anybody that's willing to try it out. Um, because, you know, I've seen success with that type of a model and um, I'm sure we all have. Yeah. Now, Ken, is there anything that we haven't talked about, about legal coaching or, or anything that you've just been dying to share with us? The only big thing I can think about is uh... Uh, I was hoping I could uh, speak about our new website a little bit, if that's all right. Yeah, of course. The uh, albertalegal.org website. Um, and I'm, I'm particularly excited about it uh, because I uh, wrote the code for it. <laughs> and that's that's why I got roped into this president position, just because I uh, kept moving everything along enough that uh, people just assumed that I was leading it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yep, yep, that's correct. <laughs> Well, I think you'll be happy to know, Ken, this is not the first time that Alberta Legal has been mentioned on this podcast. Oh, fantastic. Thank you, then. <laughs> yeah. I brought it up, like, in an unrelated matter. It was, like, the wrong reference, but I had it in my mind. I'm like, there's something about, something Ken's got going on. And then Heather was like, no, that's the wrong thing, and I'm also a member of the board. <laughs> so, tell it, like, we, we, you've, we've talked a little bit about it, but, like, Alberta Legal... How can people use that as a resource? Like if somebody's like, okay, I want to get, I think I want some legal coaching or a limited scope retainer. How can Alberta Legal help them make that a reality? So the, the, the most obvious uh, part of it is just the directory on the, on the front page where people can be linked up uh, with uh, limited scope lawyers, uh, lawyers willing to do legal coaching. So that, that part's obvious enough. Uh, as soon as you go to the front page, I think it's easy enough to figure out uh, but there's a lot of parts of the website uh, that aren't quite so obvious. Uh, parts of them that we're still working on, uh, but that we have pretty high hopes uh, that they'll be able to help a lot of people uh, going forward in the future. So uh, there's a few different uh, tabs I'll talk about. Uh, so one is that there's a resources tab. Uh, and so the resources tab has uh, just some basic information about uh, limited scope services, uh, information about representing yourself, information about uh, courts in general, uh, information about, oh, there's the website. <clears throat> uh, Kim, just so you know, I don't know if, uh, so Kim just brought up, pulled up the website and is doing a screen share. We're using Zoom, but I don't know if, if it'll show up on the YouTube video. It might not. I think it doesn't because I pulled, I did this before during one of our meetings and um, I think I already edited that one and there was no web page. So, uh, we basically even for the podcast obviously people can't see it but also for youtube people won't see it but 
Kim pulled up albertalegal.org and we're all just enjoying basking in its beauty. Oh, isn't it beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> all right, so I'll just be very descriptive then. Uh, so yeah, uh, so there's the resources tab that has information about courts and representing yourself, information about limited uh, services in general. Uh, that same tab also has a list of uh, the resources throughout Alberta, uh, sorry, the organizations throughout Alberta uh, that provide uh, low-cost legal representation. So it's we're delving into a different concept because that is really uh, limited scope work. But for the people who qualify, for example, for legal aid, uh, Edmonton Community Legal uh, Clinic, uh, Calgary Legal Guidance, Student Legal Services, Student Legal Assistance. Uh, there's lots of uh, regional clinics throughout the province. Um, so there's links for all of those for the people who can qualify. <clears throat> so again, again, those aren't really limited scope services. That's just uh, lower cost legal services, which isn't, uh, isn't the same as limited scope, but we've got the links there anyways. Uh, so you can see if you can qualify for them. Uh, there's information about uh, some of the different ways of resolving things outside of court, uh, some of them that we've talked about today. So there's links to uh, the Alberta Family Mediation Society, uh, <clears throat> Collaborative Divorce Association, uh, Alternative Dispute Resolution Institute. So they've got different information about things like uh, mediation, collaborative law and arbitration uh, that we spoke, we've spoken about. Uh, we put up some resources for lawyers as well, because <clears throat> part of our uh, part of our mission is to educate lawyers uh, to provide them uh, things like uh, model retainer agreements to make it easier for them to do limited scope work. Um, <clears throat> so we're trying to educate lawyers as well. So that's uh, that's the resources tab. Uh, there's also a links tab. And so the links tab is where uh, for different areas of the law, we've put up uh, useful links. Uh, right now there's only family law because we're just in the process of launching everything right now. Uh, and we're trying to convince other lawyers to put up links to others in the law. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, so for family law, for example, uh, there's all kinds of links to uh, some of the different legislation that's out there, information about family court, uh, some just general articles about separation, uh, linked to some calculators. <clears throat> so the idea is that uh, let's say if someone uh, hires a legal coach or hires uh, a lawyer for limited scope services, uh, well, that lawyer can say, hey, if you go to the links page, uh, <clears throat> here's some resources for you. So hopefully the lawyer can also help uh, the person navigate through some of this. Uh, but if someone's already representing themselves, uh, well, here's some extra information from them. Mm -hmm. Rather than, uh, rather than uh, thousands of people individually consulting lawyers to get this information, just go to the website. <laughs> Uh, and you can I'm, I'm bookmarking this page right now because like oh, I've got all these I've got all these links like bookmarks and I've got all you know but hey here's one website where I've got all these links in one place yeah <laughs> so that looks great Ken and we're not even we're just part way through this and uh, already I'm loving the website <laughs> thanks uh, and it's all uh, it's all uh, lawyer generated content <clears throat> so the idea is that uh, for lawyers who sign in, they can modify all these and they can add new resources, update things. Uh, so we don't uh, we don't have a budget, so there isn't someone sitting there every day to see what's uh, what's changed. Uh, but we're hoping that lawyers will uh, help to keep this up to date and review it. Eventually, I'm going to build it in, uh, so there's some kind of reminder that goes out uh, that maybe tells lawyers, "Hey, no one's no one's updated this page for a while. 
this one and mm. want to have a look at it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So a little bit of a work in progress. Uh, similarly, there's a, there's a tab uh, that's labeled Ask a Lawyer. <clears throat> and this one isn't, uh, this one doesn't operate right now, just because I want to make sure that uh, the lawyers are trained uh, and know about the website a little bit more before we start having people, uh, people use it. Uh, but fairly soon, the idea is that uh, it's going to be kind of like a chat board, <clears throat> is if people have just really uh, general uh, questions about the law, so they can put up their question, uh, and then emails will go out to lawyers, and hopefully lawyers will respond to questions, uh, or just really generic things. Like uh, a lawyer can't really give legal advice over a little, little blurb in text. Usually we have to chat with someone for at least half an hour to figure out everything that's going on. Uh, before we can give a real opinion. <clears throat> but if someone just has a really, really basic question about the law, uh, they can post it here and then hopefully other people will find it. Because uh, we're also hoping that, uh, that just by having content, uh, that that will help people find us. Because uh, like I said, a lot of people are already going around without a lawyer, uh, not knowing that it's possible to even have a, le a legal coach. Uh, and if they're already Googling, trying to find out this information, uh, hopefully they'll find our society uh, and know that it's an option. Uh, so they can uh, make that decision whether they want to go there or not. Uh, so that'll be a little bit more like a chat board, the Ask a Lawyer feature. Uh, the last big part of the website uh, is the library. <clears throat> and again, a work in progress. Uh, but the idea is that uh, it's basically like a, a, Wiki, a Wikipedia kind of uh, page is that lawyers can add content, just uh, putting out some basic information about the law uh, in general. And then that way, if someone wants to learn about uh, Alberta laws, uh, they can read little summaries uh, prepared by lawyers. <clears throat> so we're, we're still working on this. It's uh, definitely very much under construction because uh, the society and the website are new. Uh, but we're hoping that uh, we're able to provide just a lot of information for people so they don't even necessarily have to consult a lawyer uh, so they can figure out some of the basics on their own if they want to, uh, or they can they, they can pay for a lawyer to, uh, to explain the same things to them. But uh, the idea is just put the resources out there so that people who want to have more knowledge, uh, want to figure out more on their own can. So that's uh, that's the website in the nutshell. I'm definitely excited about it. <laughs> so thanks for letting me speak about it. Uh, yeah, it's so great, Ken, because it's just a nice one-stop shop sort of for all, any Albertan that wants this information can come here, find it in the nice headings that you've laid out, but also have some confidence that it's reliable information as well because it's been posted um, by a practicing Alberta lawyer <laughs> that works in family law. So that's that's really great. It's, it's really fantastic. And not only that, Heather, it's it's not posted by a law firm right you know because a lot of law firms post a lot of good information but there's um it's a teaser yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of, and, and sometimes it can come across as kind of like well I don't, I don't know how to explain it but the fact that this is from you know a consortium of lawyers from disparate practices because mm. um, that's i mean yes you wrote the code for it but uh heather doesn't work at, at barb card Right, uh, she and she's on the board, and there's other people involved as well that don't work at your firm, and so it's um, it's awesome, and it, it's really the essence of what we're trying to do here as well is um, 
have resources of information, uh, make those available to people um, so that people can just learn more about the law. Mm-hmm. That's, that's the biggest thing that, that I think we see with our clients when they come to that initial consultation is they just don't know. They don't know the law. They don't know how it works because, you know, it's their first time dealing with something like that. They're not an expert on it yet. Exactly. And, and that's just it. And I mean, really the only time that we see, especially something like divorce culturally, uh, we barely see any of it in, uh, in movies and TV. Most people don't know uh, a lot of the basic rules until you run into it. And it's Except liar, liar, which is a very factually, it's a very accurate <laughs> depiction of how divorces work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the whole idea is to empower people to be able to uh, help themselves if they want to, and to whatever extent they feel comfortable. Excellent. So that's that's the idea is they can choose what extent uh, what extent they want. It's not uh, not all or nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's such a great message, Ken, um, and to send to folks out there too that they're kind of they have options and they have some control and some decisions they can make about how much they want to involve a lawyer and how much information they can get on their own. So, well, just- there's also the other. You know how you're getting advice from family and friends and it's not good advice. Well, it's not just people who are separating and divorcing that that need to go to this website. It's people who are giving advice about divorce to their friends. They might want to consult Ken's website, albertalegal.org first, before they start uh, talking because they might they might give their friends a better leg up if they do some research first. Right. Or maybe this is a good resource for, <laughs> sorry, Ken, what did you say? Friend, a financial planner. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe if your mom is getting too opinionated about your divorce, you could, you could give her this website to go to and say, oh, uh, go to Alberta Legal. Leave yeah, just go to albertalegal.org and then we can talk about <laughs> about this. <laughs> um, I, I just worry that people think that like Alberta legal means like legal cannabis or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's I, not. I think it, once they land on the website, it becomes pretty clear that weed is not involved. <laughs> yeah, it's May twentieth, not April twentieth. We're okay. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, well, you know, Ken, thanks so much for coming, uh, to our listeners. I mean, you can reach out to Ken for all kinds of things. He can be your mediator. He can be your arbitrator. He Mm -hmm. can be your lawyer. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and Ken does a lot of, um, work with, as we've mentioned a couple times, people that own businesses and have complex finances that way. And also farms fit in there as well, because a farm is a business. Uh-huh. And I know he has a lot of experience working with those types of files. So if that's your situation, Ken might be a good fit for you. There's a little shameless plug for you, Ken. We appreciate <laughs> you coming on. And he's just so darn lovely. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Ken. Um, It's been wonderful chatting with you, and we're so glad that you came on the program. Oh, thanks for having me. It's it's been a blast, and I'm happy to come back anytime. Good. We'll take you on that offer.
offer for sure. Oh, absolutely, we will. Let's talk tax next time. <laughs> yeah. Maybe now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> you just got Kim fired up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. Well, this has been another episode of Access to Justice. Thanks for listening or watching. If you have any questions you'd like us to address on future episodes, send an email to access to, that's the number two, justicepodcast at gmail.com, access to justicepodcast at gmail.com, and we'll do our best to get you an answer on an upcoming episode. Thanks for listening. Any information in this video is general information only and is not, nor is it intended to be, legal advice. Watching this video does not create a lawyer-client relationship. You should always seek the advice of a lawyer or other qualified professional for advice regarding your individual situation. While we take care to ensure that the information contained in this video is accurate and up-to-date, we make no warranties or representations as to the suitability, completeness, or accuracy of the information contained in this video. Any reliance you place on the information is at your own risk. Kahane Law Office, Merrick Law, Heather Mallory Professional Corporation, Evan Clark Professional Corporation, Evan Clark, Heather Mallory, and any guests will not be responsible nor liable in any way for any content, including but not limited to any errors or omissions in the content, or for any loss or damage of any kind incurred as a result of any content communicated in this video, whether by Evan Clark, Heather Mallory, or by a third party. Kim McDonald is a financial advisor with Raymond James Limited. Information provided is not a solicitation, and although obtained from sources considered reliable, is not guaranteed. The view and opinions contained in this media are those of Kim McDonald, not Raymond James Limited. Securities-related products and services are offered through Raymond James Limited, member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Insurance products and services are offered through Raymond James Financial Planning Limited, which is not a member Canadian Investor Protection Fund. Raymond James advisors are not tax advisors, and we recommend that clients seek independent advice from a professional advisor on tax-related matters. Graceful fingers intertwine, comfort gladdens.